Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Jack Healy, and today on the Gotham Sports Machine, we're talking basketball with our co-host, Mark Healy. And I'd like to introduce our guest, Brian Mahoney. He's the national NBA columnist for the Associated Press. He covers the Knicks, Nets, and the rest of the league. I'm excited to hear his thoughts on the future of New York basketball. How are you guys? Hey, Coach. How are you, buddy? Good. Great to hear from you. Yeah, thanks. Likewise. All right. Well, I'm going to start it off with a question for Brian because I was just watching the Nick game, and they really show flashes of being a playoff team. But what do you think they need to really just put together and get better so that they can put themselves in that playoff race for sure? Well, they're, they're obviously short offensively. They, you know, the points don't come really easy for them. Uh, they don't have a guy who you can throw it to late in the game, late in the shot clock, who is a guaranteed guy who's going to get you the points. Uh, and, and when they're shorthanded, it really shows. Uh, you know, they've been playing without Derrick Rose, uh, having to play without Emil quickly. You know, that just doesn't leave them with a lot of firepower. And they play great defense, and when they do that, they stay in games, but to actually win games, uh, they're still probably lacking a little bit of firepower against the really good teams. You know, Coach, uh, obviously uh, Thibodeau has been a great addition. You know, he, he certainly has. Tom Thibodeau, the coach of the Knicks, has certainly made an uh, impact on this team. They're, they're almost night and day from where they were a year ago. Uh, but as you said, you know, they are lacking that one killer player, even though, uh, you know, even though Randall was an all-star and there has been progression, you know, from RJ Barrett, you know, they don't have a killer. They don't have that, you know, they don't have that player that, you know, other teams are afraid of in the closing moments of, of, a, of a game. Do you think that the Knicks are happy with, the progress that they're making or do you think that there's a Bradley Beal kind of deal uh you know in their future well you know I think it's both I think they should be thrilled with the progress they're making because I think the most important thing they needed to do this year was show these kind of players that they can come to New York and win they've been able to show for years you can come be part of the garden you can come be in the big city all this other stuff but they haven't shown that, look, you can win games here. And we've seen time and time again, guys not even guys don't even know, necessarily don't want to come. They don't want to talk to the Knicks. Uh, but now if you say, okay, look, we've got Tom Thibodeau, who is a respected coach. You can see we've gotten guys in the draft. We're developing them. We have the ability to make trades. We have assets now. Uh, they can go out and try and maybe entice a either free agent or use some of those assets to get a Bradley Beal if he's on the market. Uh, but they haven't had the opportunity to do much of either of those things lately. So I think no matter what happens, playoffs or not, I think the Knicks have shown what they had to show this year so far. That kind of gets into my next question because the biggest thing, you, no one really expected this switch, how the Knicks got, went from being one of the jokes of the league to actually being a playoff team. Like no one expected that to be a storyline this year. Now that they have one of the youngest rosters and they have the lowest payroll in the league, how do you see them attacking free agency? Do you see them going after a big trade, trading a lot of their in-house assets? Or do you see them sticking with their guns, sticking with the let's go get vets, let's not spend all of our money approach? 
How do you think Scott Perry goes about uh, the offseason this year? I think they're eager to do something. Uh, you know, when, when you have uh, assets, you know, anytime you have money, you want to spend it. That's just the way it is. And uh, last year, there wasn't the opportunity. When, when Leon Rose took over as president uh, in March, the season ended right after that because of the pandemic. And uh, there just wasn't an opportunity to do very much this summer. To, but, you know, going forward next year, uh, you know, he's got the coach he wants in place now. Uh, I think he's, you know, he's got a couple guys in the draft that he likes coming in this year. So uh, that's a start. But the next step is going to get those kind of guys that they don't have. And, you know, do you trade some of these picks you have? They have quite a few draft picks. They can certainly try and move a couple of them. They had the cap space. They have some players teams would like in a trade, uh, which way they'll go about doing it. I don't know, but for they have the opportunity to do it, and I think they'll certainly work hard at making something happen. So to switch gear to the Nets, you know, their first in field goal percentage, their second in three-point percentage, their first in points scored. Obviously, this is a team that, even though technically they're not in first place in the division, you know, this is a team that everyone expects to not only be in the finals, but a lot of people expect them to win the finals, uh, you know, to win the championship this year. Now, you know, I'm, I'm one of those people, as you know, I'm, I'm a little bit old school coach and I, you know, there's, there's a, to me, there's a way to go about, you know, uh, building a team. And I look, there's no question they have an, an incredible amount of talent, but you know, kind of Steve Nash is kind of like in a terrible place because if they win, you know, does he get the credit for staying out of their way? Uh, if they lose, does he get blamed for getting in their way? How do you feel about Steve Nash? And has, has he really had any impact? Or is this, this just like, you know, Kyrie and, and Durant and, and Harden just saying, uh, don't worry, we got this, coach? Well, you know, I think – and I was, I was kind of torn about it. I said, you know, if you have the kind of talent they have, get an experienced coach. Uh, you don't get a first-year coach with this kind of situation. But with what's going on this year, I do think Steve Nash has been great for that group. Uh, you know, all the he, – he talks to guys, and he, he diffuses bad situations. And, you know, Kyrie ditching out of the team for a week earlier in the year, COVID situations, guys being out of the lineup, uh, you know, the big trade for James Harden when you lose a couple of, you know, guys on the, on the roster really liked. So – uh, I think what Steve Nash has brought to them has been great and needed. But later in the year, if it comes down to Texas and O's in the playoffs, he'll have to produce there. I do think getting a whole season into it with, you know, a good bench he has around him, Mike D'Antoni and Jacques Vaughn and so on and so forth, uh, I think he will be a good coach in the playoffs. But, uh, you know, as the point that you make, sure, if they win, people are going to say they won because of who they had. The coaching is certainly not going to be the reason, uh, no matter whether it's a first-year coach or a 30th-year coach, no one's going to say they won because of the coaching with the talent they have this year on that team. I'm going into that. It's also uh, Blake Griffin coming over. A lot of people have been blowing it out of proportion because it's Blake Griffin. But I also do think he's going to be a huge piece on this team going forward. He's a guy who can be a great playmaker and has developed a shot. So I think Steve Nash is going to – he's been maximizing everyone's talent this year. And when Blake Griffin is going to be the guy setting screens and cutting to the hoop instead of Bruce Brown, 
It's it, like the team is just going to keep getting better and better. They just have so many weapons going around. Yes, defense has been a struggle, but Harden has stepped up his defense drastically. Durant's barely played, and he's a great defender. Kyrie's always stepped up his defense when the crunch time has come up in the playoffs and when they need it most. So do you see Blake Griffin being that key piece for them to win the finals? I think it's worth a shot. I don't really know. Uh, you know, obviously it's so hard to judge him this year. Uh, and he has a little bit of injury history and, and certainly he's not the Blake Griffin. He was even just a few years ago, I get all that. So it's hard to, to guarantee it. But uh, the point for me just is it's, it's worth the shot because of the position he plays mostly uh, where, you know, being a power forward uh, is something that by far is the most lacking thing on that roster, I think. And this is a guy who was a six-time All-Star at that position. So if he's even half the Blake Griffin he still was, it's an upgrade to what they have now. If he's three-quarters of the Blake Griffin, then, yeah, then you're talking about even more reason to think they can win this title. Uh, so I think it's worth a shot. And if not, you know what? The buyout season after you know, the, the uh, trade deadline in, you know, in, in March 25th, there'll be more guys at the market, and they can try and go after one of them as well. You know, Coach, a lot has been made about uh, the Celtics struggling that Brad Stevens could be in trouble. You know, I know you cover the league on, you know, I know that you cover, uh, you know, the NBA on a league-wide basis. And, you know, I get the sense that, um, you know, Brad Stevens is not going to get the kind of honeymoon that a lot of people thought he was going to get. Obviously, uh, a lot of disappointing players. Uh, if you had a point to one player, on Boston that has been the biggest disappointment? I mean, do you think it's the coach or do you think that uh, there's a player or two on that team that are underperforming? Uh, and that's why Boston is not quite the, the team that a lot of people expected them to be coming into the season. Well, I mean, their biggest problem has been Kemba Walker's health, really. Uh, you know, I certainly think they would have gone to the finals last year if he was healthy. In the bubble, he just wasn't healthy. I think they were better than the Miami team that beat them. Uh, so, and then obviously he was hurt to start this year. And this has been a crazy year to try and, you know, rejoin a roster because there's no practice time, really. Uh, there's so many games. So uh, that certainly held them back. When he, if he gets back to the all-star player he should be, uh, when you look at how good they are with, with uh, you know, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, then they have a shot at it again. But that hasn't happened for them so far. And, um, you know, as far as Brad Stevens, uh, yeah, he's been there a while. And certainly there's always a question, has it been long enough? Should we have done better than we've done and all that? But this year, it's, just, it's so hard to judge. Uh, I think, you know, anybody is going to look like not as good as they should have been this year because the lack of ability to practice, the lack of ability to have guys in your lineup all the time because of the COVID protocols, all that stuff. Uh, you know, I'd, I'd be surprised a little bit if the Celtics decided this was the year to change coaches just based on how hard it is to deal with everything this year. Going back on the Celtics situation, not so long ago were we talking about how the Nets traded away their entire future to the Celtics. And the Celtics were kind of in the situation the Thunder are in now where they have so many draft picks. They have so many – they just – you don't even know what to do with it. And you fast forward and they really – they hit on only a few of those draft picks and they really don't have anything to show for it. So the fact that the Nets – look like they do now with all these superstars, it's really a shock. So 
it's disappointing to see where the Celtics are, on, and it's crazy to see where the Nets are. It, but it really just shows you how, like, one to three years can just completely flip a franchise. So I don't know if they should put all the blame on Brad Stevens because he's not the one that can make – like, he makes a lot of decisions, but he can't make all the decisions. And, 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 and truthfully, I think this is, you know, it's a whole separate discussion, obviously, but that's part of the whole discussion about sort of, you know, rebuilding, tanking, whatever you want to call it. Draft picks are great, but – you know, you eventually think you can either get the right guys or cash them in through trades, and the Celtics haven't really been able to do either one of those things uh, to kind of get over the top. And you look at what the Nets did. Yeah, the Nets had nothing, but they never really chose to tank. They just kept playing hard, and I think they sort of built a little bit of a culture, enticed some guys like, hey, this is a good organization. And, you know, that stuff does matter too, to players. And, um, you know, the Celtics, look, they certainly have had the ability to say, we can do this, 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 and this. And every time there's been a big free agent or a big guy on the market, they haven't been able to close a deal. That's just the bottom line, really. And also, uh, going back to Anthony Davis's dad, when he was going to be uh, on the trade market, said he never wanted his son to play for the Celtics after what they did to Isaiah Thomas, which is another big move which happened with all those draft picks when they sent Isaiah Thomas. Well, no, they, yeah, they sent Isaiah Thomas to go get Kyrie Irving. And now you make that big move and you have that on your hands. Now superstars are not going to want to come if they don't feel like they're going to get treated with loyalty when they give their blood, sweat and tears for a team. No, it's a great point, Jack. And, and, you know, certainly the fact that they, they did that, and then Kyrie didn't want to stay there, even though they were committed to him. Uh, you know, the fact that Ant Davis didn't want to go there, uh, that's a bad sign uh, for them, certainly. And, uh, you know, there's certainly reasons why guys don't like the city of Boston, maybe, but the organization, you would think, has always been a respected organization. But uh, right now, the, and even Harden apparently didn't seem to want to be involved in that. So uh, that, that's a problem for Boston. They have to certainly find a way to fix what's wrong there. Uh, because you got to have superstars to win, bottom line. Definitely, for sure. Um, actually, going back on the Knicks, because watching the game, it just really disappoints me to see Kevin Knox not playing anymore. Do you think they're going to move on from him? Do you think he's done as a Nick, or do you think they're going to maybe try to have a resurgence with him and try to just work on him over time? I mean, I've been a little surprised as well because when he was in the rotation early in the season, uh, he didn't play that bad. He, he certainly was showing a better three-point touch than I thought he had. And, uh, you know, he's a Kentucky guy, which they certainly like. They have the long-time ties there. So I thought he'd get a shot this year. And uh, certainly because they weren't going to make the playoffs, he didn't think, uh, they'd want to look at their young guys. But um, they can keep him after this year for not a lot of money. Maybe they want to take another year and look at it. Uh, I don't know if there's a market for him elsewhere, if teams are going to want to try and trade, but it's really puzzling. Um, you know, I can understand why he's not using him if he would think he's a playoff shot and he just not one of his top 10 guys. But at the same time, I would have thought they would want him in a rotation as much as possible. You got to figure out what you have there. And they really, this year, will not be able to say. Yeah, the – that, as much as I love what Tibbs has done, it kind of annoys me that he only runs with kind of his 10 guys because when you look at the Knicks roster, they just have more than 10 guys you want to see play. So I'm hoping they make a move at the deadline, move uh, Austin Rivers or a 
like a Alfred Payton and just go get a young wing. That that like you just need to shorten that. They have like thirteen or fourteen guys that can play, and I just I want I want to see them cut that down to at least eleven or twelve. Yeah, I mean it's certainly you know he's a guy who likes to stick with a you know a, a shorter rotation and and uh, there are guys who would would love to get some minutes and might show something else and I understand why some fans get frustrated why is you know Peyton playing this many minutes and Baird and Randall we're not seeing you know Obi Toppin something his number one pick for them you know he goes in a game sometimes has one or two bad plays and is right back off the court uh, that's not going to really help him develop. Uh, but at the same time, again, they're winning games they weren't expected to. I think that also matters. So uh, I can't criticize the results have been there as far as the wins and losses. So I can't say he's doing it wrong uh, after how bad they've been uh, many other years before this. Mm-hmm. I think that's the most important thing. The Knicks should never give up on Thibodeau like the Timberwolves did because they, they're all, they're, they've been in disarray. And Dave, how many coaches are they going to have? So, I hopefully the Knicks stick with their guy. And you have another question, Mark? Or no, I just uh, you know it's great to hear coaches' voice. I mean, I can't tell you how many times we had these kinds of conversations when uh, we were uh, you know working uh, working over at the AP. So it's just great to hear your voice, Coach. And uh, best to the family and to Cindy and the girls, and uh, you take care of yourself, my friend. Yeah, likewise, Mark. And, you know, you being an old-school guy, like we were saying before, I mean, I think you can understand, too, why I think Thibodeau is probably the right guy for the Knicks in a lot of ways, because those Knicks 90 teams, uh, I tell people all the time, you know, they, they were not this great superstar team. They had one superstar, and otherwise they just tried to outwork you and play defense and all that stuff, and that's what New York fans want to see. People think New York, and they think, oh, we want to see superstars and this and that. No, they, the Knicks fans want to see a hardworking team that's going to, you know, make your life hell playing against them and try and outwork you. And that's what I think Tom Thibodeau's teams are bringing right now. Yeah, it, it's definitely – that's definitely the, the taste that Knicks fans, you know, they, they don't – that's why I think, you know, I, I know that there's different um, ways to look at the mellow trade and there's different ways to look at the before and the after, but I think Nick fans really liked that team before Mello came on board. Uh, they liked how, uh, you know, uh, Gallinari was playing. They liked uh, how Stoudemire had really fit him, you know, really grown to be a part of that group and that Felton, Raymond Felton, how, how good he was playing. That trade certainly, you know, obviously helped the Knicks have a, a, a good year or two. But I, I, you know, I, and again, like I think Gallinari is the only guy that's still playing. But, you know, it was just it was that kind of like Donnie Walsh had had put together a nice little team that the fans were were getting behind. And you know, Melo was certainly a fan favorite. But sometimes when you make deals like that, where you break up a, a combination that's showing progress, you know, it does. It, it you know, you're right. The Nick fan kind of does want that, you know, homegrown type of team that's working and clicking together. That may, that's a great point, Coach. Yeah, I mean, as much as, you know, I, I love Mike D'Antoni. I think he is an awesome coach in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, Jeff Hornacek, 
uh, who they hired a few years ago, another good coach, another great guy. But these are kind of offensive-minded guys and things like that. And that's just not what Nick fans want to see, I don't think. I think they beloved that – that 90s team was, was beloved, and they were, you know, not exactly your, you know, big three firepower kind of team. They were, you know, right. again, what the Knicks are right now, and that's why I think so many fans like watching this team. Yeah, that, that's the biggest thing for me, too, that – I can watch the Knicks again and not be angry. I can just they, <laughs> they like even when they lose, I can find things. Oh, RJ played great. Like I can always find things to at least go back on. So and that's definitely an important step for this year. I just want to thanks thank you again for coming on. This has been great. I've had a really fun time talking to you and if you ever want to do something again, I'm I'd be more than more than interested you guys uh, you guys know where to find me happy to talk anytime take care coach take all right care. guys good luck to you talk to you soon mark take care jack